The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Okay, welcome back to the Small Biz Ahead podcast. It's Elizabeth Larkin. I'm here with small business owner, Jean Marks. Jean, how are you doing? Doing well. So, Thank you. <laughs> Great. I'm very happy for <laughs> yes. you. Yes. I don't have poison ivy. Uh, Do you? I Yes. Yes. It's funny you should mention that. Who gets poison ivy <laughs> when you're like you're like an adult now? You know, I, I, I don't know. I, mean, I had that when I was in summer camp when I was like I eight. I know. I know. I blame mm. it on my dog because mm. she runs around on a, on a farm on the weekends and then comes and like jumps on me. So yeah. I think it came from the dog and then transferred to me, but... I keep getting it. Like yeah. I got it two weeks ago, and then I got it. I've, I keep getting like fresh patches popping up all over the place. So I don't know. I need to do like a intervention. She did get a, a bath last night. You guys so. can't see this, but Elizabeth, her entire face is full, just covered with calamine <laughs> lotion. It's like all pink and crusty. I look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so we have two exciting announcements this week. One, the podcast is now on iTunes, yes. so you can go subscribe. So that's awesome. And two, we have an official form now where you can submit a question to us. So previously, we were having people submit questions via like our social media channels, Facebook and Twitter, and we still want you to follow us there. But now we have a, a, like an official form where you can submit your question, question. So that is now in the show notes. So go over to smallbizahead.com and look for the podcast. And you can scroll down. There's a form where you can submit your question. And we would love to answer your question on the air. And I'm also going to read a review that we just got on iTunes, Ooh. which is, is so funny. And this one talks about Gene drinking beer. So yes. this will be good. So the review is, and we got five stars, Gene sounds like the kind of guy I want to have a beer with, <laughs> or maybe some sushi. <laughs> we have an avid listener there that's, as well. That's an yeah, avid that's right. listener. That's right. Their answers to the questions are helpful because they look at it from all sides, and I like that Elizabeth knows less than Gene, so she can ask basic questions <laughs> for less? new business owners. Ooh, <laughs> a backhanded compliment to Elizabeth. Oh, that's harsh. I see that as my role, though, because you're the expert, mm. and I know a little, but I know enough to kind of prod you with more more questions. I always love when people like say that, like I'm like the expert. I mean there's like you know, so okay so I run a small business, you know, I mean I write a lot on this stuff and all that. But, but like you know a lot of small business owners. I do. So and that that's where like it's funny, like my business sells like CRM, like customer relationship management software. I don't consider myself like an I, I, we just we have a lot of clients that are doing a lot of things and I learn yeah. a lot from them. I have one client that I go to every week, Elizabeth, that I've gone to for like 15 years because I, I kind of act as their part-time controller and, you know, I, as a consultant. And uh, they're like a 100-person company. Is this the paper company? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I've talked about them before and I, every time I go, these are like smart guys, way smarter than me, way better business guys than me. But every time I'm out there, I always like learn stuff yeah. that I can say, well, so here's something to try. What would we call you then? Not a small business expert, a small a, a, a guy who has a lot of knowledge about small oh, there you go that's fair enough an aficionado I drink beer and wine out of a box <laughs> and sushi that's pretty much what i do okay we are going to be right back with our first question which is about working from home mm. or no it's actually sorry this one is about bringing your pets to work ah. but we're going to hear from our sponsor first 
Are you looking to expand and grow your small business but don't have time to keep up with the latest trends in technology? We've got you covered with the weekly Small Biz Ahead newsletter. Sign up today and start receiving our weekly email chock full of the latest tools and resources to help you run a successful business. Find us at smallbizahead.com. Okay, we're back with our first question. This one is from Anissa K. in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Hmm. Anissa, I like that name. It's hmm. very pretty. Anissa writes, I run a small tech company with a handful of employees. Recently, a few of them have approached me about bringing their pets to mm. work. I'm not opposed to the idea, but I don't want the office to turn into a zoo. Literally. What should I consider before making my decision? So as an employee, I would love to be able to bring my pet into the office. But at the same time, I think it would actually be really distracting for me. <laughs> yeah. So, Gene, you have a remote workforce, but you did have a, a, a traditional office for a while. Would you Didn't. allow your employees? No, no. no I wouldn't. And, it's, and it's funny, too. Like, look at the Hartford. Look at any big, any, any client that I go to. I rarely come across clients of businesses that allow their employees to bring pets to work. I mean, there's, like, service animals, obviously, yeah. are excluded. I've had some clients that have experimented with, like, like a, you'll bring your pet to work Friday kind yeah. of thing. Um, it, it never ends pretty, <laughs> it's always, you know, it always is chaotic. I mean, and it's funny too, because, um, I, I'm a full believer that like, if you had like one dog and just one, like that, that's sometimes I say, yeah. um, I have one client actually, it's a little precision control company and they have about 15 employees. So it's a very small office. The owner, the, the owner's dog is there all the time. It's a big German yeah, that's shepherd. Common. Yeah, and the dog is like awesome, and everybody loves the dog. And like even when you come in, it's like the most gentle, and it's, and it's sweet. And like what what you know, your dogs put people in good moods. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a wonderful thing. But two dogs, ten dogs, fifteen <laughs> dogs. You know what I mean? Like now you're getting into um, chaos. So I don't think that um, having a bring your, your 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 pet to work policy is a good idea for productivity. But what about for productivity? Definitely. But what about we were just talking about in a in a previous podcast those fringe benefits right. that that draw in people. So one of my friends is a freelance writer, and she just sent me an ad for a job um, at a, a small firm in Connecticut. And in the job ad, it said, "We have a dog friendly office." That's interesting. And I mm -hmm. thought. Okay, that's not going to appeal to like my mom, but to me, that would really, I would think, oh, I can bring my dog into work every yeah, day. Yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting um, concept because again, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, we're trying to recruit, you know, good talent and good employees or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, there you're like saying, wow, I mean, like as a potential employee, you're like, I've got a dog and yeah. I'd love to work in an office all day with dogs. Now, if you're allergic to dogs yeah. or you're afraid of dogs, then now you're alienating yeah. that crowd. So there is a balance. I mean, I still, look. I'll, I'll hold firm saying I, you know, you can do special pet days. You could provide a, a fringe benefit where you can pay for dog walking. You can, you know, uh, you know, but, but to have like a, you know, a policy where people can bring their pets to work every day. I just think that, um, overall that's going to start in the end. It's, it's a workplace. Yeah. And I think that's going to be a problem. And, and I love are, dogs. I know. And I love, we, mm. we're both dog owners. Yeah. We love our dogs, but they are animals. They are, I mean, they're not I know. like, they do get into fights. They don't like each other. They defecate. Right. Openly, they, <laughs> like they don't go to the bathroom. Right. We're talking about um, not my kids. We're talking about dogs, right? <laughs> Just want to make sure. Yes, not your twenty-year-old okay. yeah. children. Yeah, that's good to know. Um, I mean, I I think, 
Yeah, I don't think it's a good idea for a business. As much as I would love to bring my dog in every day, I think it would be really distracting for me because I'd be thinking about what she was doing the whole time. Is yep. she, like, bothering someone? Is she jumping on someone's lap that doesn't like dogs? And you are alienating some people. Um, but, yeah, having maybe a monthly bring-your-dog-to-work day or bring-your-dog-to-work in the afternoon, I think that would be really fun. All right, we'll be back with question number two after another word from our sponsor. Running a business is challenging, and you probably don't always have the time to research new strategies, market trends, and develop skills. But imagine if you could have all the latest information on running a business delivered to you every week. Luckily, there's the weekly Small Biz Ahead newsletter. We offer some of the best information available for business owners, ranging from topics such as time management, game-changing technology and apps, to developing management and leadership skills. Sign up today for the Small Biz Ahead newsletter at smallbizahead.com. Okay, we're back with question number two. This is from Jonathan from Beaufort, South Carolina. I love that people give us the towns. I mean, a lot of times people just give the state, but I love it when they give the town because it really like elicits, it gives me a picture of where they're they're from. And I have... When I think of... Bo- I've never been to Beaufort, South Carolina. Like, I'm thinking Civil War. I think there's yeah. like a General Beaufort <laughs> for the Confederate <laughs> Army, right? I mean, right? I'm thinking like a, like a you know, like a white picket fences yep, yep, and lots yep. of sun and you know that's why hot yeah, humid yeah. yep okay jonathan's question is i own a small shop in which i sell goods produced by local artisans generally i man the cash register while my two employees handle customer questions put out food samples stock shelves on weekends, it can get really busy, and I often have to step away from the cash register to help with customers. Someone recommended that I trade in my cash register for an iPad with a square reader attached, but that seems risky, like I might forget to ring up a customer. Is this something I should consider anyway? We just did an article on this. Yeah. How if you run a business and you are working at a farmer's market or any kind of open-air market... Um, or if you're Apple, then you should just use a, it's a POS system. Is that point of sale? or Point, point of sale. Of, point, point of, of sale, sale system. Yep. Yep. Um, the only thing you have to think about with that is A, security, and B, they, there are fees attached to that. And I know the nail salon I go to, I'm always talking about my hair salon and my <laughs> nail salon. <laughs> I noticed that trend as well. You should, you don't have to say it. It's all natural. This is all like yourself. The nail salon I go to. Um, Do they have a point of sale system? Like, they, it- yeah, they use an iPad and Square. And if you pay cash, you just pay the price. If you pay with a credit card, they you make you more? pay extra. Do they yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. I think because I think that's ridiculous. I think it's obnoxious. Yeah, they yeah. shouldn't. They shouldn't be doing that. What they should do is just have the extra price for everybody, and that's yeah. that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you have to think about it twice. Um, the whole fee thing. Um, I, you know, smart business earners, I know when they're, when they have fees, as long as they're competitive, they build the fees into their price and that's just what it is. Oh, one thing I forgot to say about this and sorry to cut you off is the great thing about this is these systems, I think can be hooked up to your accounting system. Of course. So that way, you know, exactly how many widgets you sold without having to rely on someone to ring it up properly and then transfer it. So there's Ravel. 
Intuit has got great systems. Shopkeep, Shopify. Uh, these are all, maybe we could put these on the show notes yep, as well. Yeah, we're going to put them some, all on the show notes. Some good, some good point of sale systems that you can try. The world is going mobile and the smart merchants that I know um, are coming out from behind their cash registers um, and engaging with their customers. Um, um, the, is it a guy or a woman that, from Beaufort? Is John. Saying about not keeping track of his customers. I mean, I don't know what kind of volume he's got going through a store, but, uh, you know, it, it's... To walk around um, with your iPad or tablet doesn't necessarily have to be an iPad, but you know a tablet. Um, to have your your employees go and do that, um, they're engaging with their customers on the floor. It is helping the customers get answers to their question without having to wait in line. You can ring up the sale right now, and these systems. Not only do they integrate with your accounting system, which is great, but as they get more and more advanced, number one, they're recommending other things. So imagine, like, you're, you're, you're showing somebody around in a clothing store and they're interested in a pair of jeans and then, you know, and you're ringing it up and, like, you've got your, your iPad system saying, like, you ask them about, you know, this certain shirt that goes with it or a belt do that goes with it. The, uh, the the applications themselves have you're putting the input of all of your inventory okay. in there, and then you can connect inventory items oh, back and forth so to each other. So you could tag it like if this person buys these skinny jeans, ask them about might also these things as well, oh. which is right. So it makes complete sense. And you're yeah. rather think about that as opposed to being on the back, you know, where you're like behind a counter at a cash register, where the transaction is almost over at that point. You're not making any. Yeah. Here you're actually on the floor and you're engaging. In addition to that, what these systems do, because you had mentioned that you know it integrates with your accounting system, after you start doing this for a few years, it recognizes your customers when they come back. So as Great. you're talking to the customer on the floor, you're like, have you been here before? Oh, yes. Uh, what, what's your name or your email? Just whatever. Pulled up. So, oh, I see you bought this from us before. Yeah. Well, you might be interested in it. And the system does will automatically prompt you to offer discounts to a customer saying, Welcome back. I see you bought from us before. I see you're a good customer. We can give you an extra five. I mean, really great stuff. Yeah, that's and finally, I don't mean yaggering <laughs> on about no. this, but you're collecting data like you an Apple. You go and you buy something at the Apple store and they, they give you the old, you know, would you like us to electronically send your invoice yeah. to your receipt to you by email? They're collecting your email address. And of course, they're using that for all sorts of marketing and reaching so, out. So question, though, when I go in and every, you know, two years I get a new iPhone. Yeah because I'm a slave to Apple, yeah, yeah. they can see what I've bought in the past. Oh, like yeah. They know what accessories I've bought and yep, everything. Yeah, they have all that available to them. Now, are they making use of that in the right way? Are they training their employees to, to make those suggestions? That's a whole other issue. Because yeah. Apple, great company, but even if you talk to people inside of Apple, they'll give you a list of 100 things that they should be doing that they're not. Yeah. Uh, but the data's there. And so, a smart merchant will do that. Talk to me then about, so you have a cash register. Mm. How much does that system cost compared to having a POS system? Yeah, it, it, it's a really good question. Um, the cash it it the cash register, uh, short term or excuse me, long term is less expensive. Okay, it's just less because when you buy the register itself and the card reader and it's just stationary, you're generally paying like a specific price, and and then you're done with it. It's you a own piece it of or hardware. Lease it? Usually people lease it, but then they own it at the end of the lease, okay. you know, whereas if you're going to get like the tablet and then you're going to subscribe all these systems that I mentioned, the Revels and the Shopify's and the Shopkeys, they're all cloud-based subscription services. Yeah. So you're paying by month, by the user. So people say like, well, you know, originally, initially you're putting out less money up front, but after like three, four or five years, 
you are spending more money. Yeah. So it is, and that's like with any cloud-based software that you buy. Back in the good old days, you could buy QuickBooks for a few hundred bucks and stick it on your ser- in your computer. And now it's a monthly. Subscription. Now it's a monthly yeah. subscription. Anyway, that's just the way the world is going. Yeah. But 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 um, the benefit to that is if you've got multiple locations. Now you've got a cloud-based system, so you're sharing the data on the cloud. Okay. You don't care about integrating also, it anywhere. Also, you could have, I mean, Jonathan has himself and two employees. They could all have a POS system, and then there's no lines in the store. Correct. There's That's exactly. No so they're moving. you're moving customers in faster. You're collecting marketing data. You're hopefully getting add-on sales because you're making suggestions to those customers. And most importantly, I think you're giving your customers just a better experience because yeah. we all hate waiting in line line. and i go to you know we go to our pharmacy which is a chain and we go there and we'll pick up and there's like a line right now like boy it would really be great if there was somebody just out there with the ipad you're checking me in getting the thing bringing it out to me and just swiping the credit card i can move on and why don't more big chains do that because they're just slow moving they're slow moving i mean i just there is there is an investment that needs to be made um, and it, it has to really be like a, a demand driven from their customers. They're not innovative enough to do it. And I think that um, more smaller companies and more innovative chains will push that in the future because customers will be attracted. Well, to them. I know Olive Garden now you can pay at your table. That's a whole, that's, you go Don't to restaurants. Don't ask me how I know that. My yep. boyfriend loves Olive Garden. Well, so they I have use, to go once a quarter. they use, as well as a lot of other restaurants, it's a um, very popular service called Ziosk, Z I O S K. And they are tablets that are on the table, just like you said. And you know, you go in, you place your order, you play games, you swipe your credit card on the tablet, and then just somebody brings your order out. Um, and think about that if you're in the yeah. restaurant industry, how much that's saving on employment costs, because it's all about saving on yep. employees. Um, that has a huge impact on, on a restaurant's profit. So, I wonder if people live leave bigger tips or smaller tips with that system. Yeah, that I don't know. That I don't know. Although I also am a believer that with minimum wages going up, I think ultimately we'll see tipping go away. Like in Europe. Yep. Interesting. Yep. And okay. Australia. When I was, I was telling you earlier, I was in, we were in Australia. And they don't have tipping in Australia. Like, you don't tip. You just, you go to a restaurant and you pay, and that's it. So are the base price is higher? Yeah, they're, I, I mean, I'm assuming they're high. It's tough to tell what the exchange yeah, rate. Am I paying true. more or not? But the, um, but maybe they are. But, you know, right now there are a lot of restaurants now, particularly as minimum wage, they're hitting $15 an hour in some cities. A lot of restaurants are instituting just no tipping policies. You know, our waiters and waitresses are getting paid a good competitive yeah. wage and all that. You have to worry as a customer to tip. So I think tipping is, and, and um, I'm getting all off topic here, but Uber no, Uber uh, is another one that's leading that charge. I mean, Uber, yes. you don't tip with Uber. People love that, right? You yeah. just pay. You don't have to worry about tipping. You have to, it's just, it's all in the app and it's all done. And um, it, that's getting into just the culture of this country that like, you know what? We don't really have to be tipping um, if it's taken care of somewhere else. Tipping is awkward. It's it just is. socially awkward. It is. It's awkward because you're never sure if, okay, is this the owner? So I'd have to tip them. Like what right. are the rules? You know, I try to always tip everyone 20%, right. but does that apply like across the board in every industry? And some people come in and think we're nuts with what yeah. we tip and all that. It's like a, it's a, it's kind of a goofy system. And and I do think a lot of people that work in the service industry was just like, look, pay me a better wage yeah. and I'm happy not to take tips, you know, because people oh. survive, they survive off of their tips. I remember in high school when I was waiting tables, I would go to the bank with just a huge sack of like pennies and I worked at like a, a 
a diner type place. Right. And it was just ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, just, you know, just give me a paycheck. Well, you know, it's interesting and it's something I, I intend to write about as well. Cause I'm looking, I'm Mr. Less government rules and you know, well, you know, I'm economically I'm to the right, but you have to think about when people like come against minimum wages and say, uh, Oh, it's going to put people out of business, small businesses out of business yeah. they have to increase their prices and all that. I think, well, whenever I go to like a restaurant, whatever price they're, they're charging me, I'm still bumping it up an extra 20% because yeah. I'm leaving a tip. So if the price was just 20% higher, I'm the customer, I'm not paying yeah. any more. Yeah. And we've alleviated this whole tipping nonsense yeah. as well. So and tax. Yeah, that's right. So it's a, it's a, you know, it's a real interesting debate that we'll see evolve over the next few years. So the POS system. What was the question again? <laughs> POS systems, we are definitely pro that. Do you think for all businesses or? Any merchant that is a customer facing coming in your store. Okay. If I was, I don't run a retail shop, um, and I, but I, I have clients that do. If I was running a retail shop, I don't care if it's a coffee shop, um, I would be equipping my people with iPads um, or cheap tablets. You can buy inexpensive tablets. Um, and they would be engaging with customers right out there on the yeah. shop floor. And I just want to go over how this works. Typically, you you decide on a vendor, be it Square or what are some of the Well, other Square ones? mostly does payment, although they do a processing as well. But like Shopify, Shopkeep, Ravel Systems, okay. um, Imongo is another one. Again, Intuit has their own point of sale systems. Okay. It's all, you know, and they Even all. PayPal. And PayPal does. So PayPal integrates with. Um, all these systems too. PayPal is now moving offline to brick and mortar and they are really making a great move yeah. there. Um, and then they all, these point of sale systems accept the mobile payment systems as well. So it's not only just swiping a credit card, but they'll give you the ability as well, right on your iPad to have an adapter. Yeah, to they, have the mobile they payment send tab. you the adapter. Correct. You So you sign up with them, they send you the adapter. You, It's very easy to set up. Correct. And then you work with them, and then they integrate with your um, accounting With your accounting system. The hardest thing that I've seen from clients that do this um, is, is getting all of your inventory in there and all the pricing in there and all of your, if you have customer data in there, like importing yeah. data from whatever you got is tough. And then the second hardest thing, equally as hard, is just training your employees, you yeah. know, teaching them what to do and getting them. I have a, another client who runs like a fruit and produce stand. Um, like in Chad's Ford, Pennsylvania, and uh, he moved to a point of sale system just like that. And think about it. You know, you're picking out fruit. It's nice to have the employees walking around. Can I help yeah. you? Would you like me to ring this up now? Um, but, you know, it. he struggled the first, you know, couple of months just getting the data in and getting the employees used to it. Now he loves it. Yeah. He loves it. Another another group that this would work well for are people like landscapers, oh, plumbers, yeah. anyone, you, anyone, anytime you have a business where you're sending people out to service someone's home or cars. Right. Because then think about it. You're getting paid on the spot. You don't you have are. to track that person down and, and worry about billing and accounts receivable. So those applications, we were talking about point of sale systems. So the, the vernacular is that point of sale systems are for retail shops and merchants. Yes. Um, now what you're talking mobile about, payments. mobile and field service, and that is very, very similar, but you're a hundred percent right. You know, you send the plumber out there to do the work and then you're telling people, Oh, call in with a credit card or we'll send you an invoice. Yeah. Then 90 days later, you're collecting from that customer and it's a huge pain. Um, the smart, you know, smart service providers are, are collecting payment right on the spot. And we actually have a couple articles about this, so I'm going to link to those in the show notes if Good. you're interested and you want to get started. All right, we're going to be right back with our word of brilliance from Gene. The Small Biz Ahead podcast is brought to you by the Business Owners Playbook. Whether you're a seasoned small business owner or just starting out, the Business Owners Playbook is your go-to destination for how to run your business. 
From business plan templates to advice on managing employees, the Business Owner's Playbook features up-to-date, sound advice on running your business. Okay, we're back with Jean's Word of Brilliance. It's actually words, Elizabeth, and I I wrote about this in Forbes um, about Google. And the word, there are two words, right? The words are this, intrusive interstitials. Elizabeth, what is an intrusive interstitial? Can I, I have no, it sounds Latin. <laughs> <laughs> well, Google is very concerned about intrusive interstitials, and you need to know about that. Hackers? Particularly if you're a small business owner, okay. and particularly if you've got a website, which many of most small business owners do. And intrusive interstitials is Google's complicated way of saying pop-ups. And what Google is telling the world right now is that soon, if not already, uh, if you have too many pop-ups going on on your site, if visitors are coming to your site and they're getting bombarded by you know the the pop-ups with driving video and audio or asking questions or whatever, yep, they're going to punish you, and you are going to you're going to have a um, your your search engine rankings are going to be impacted because of that, and Google is going to push you down on search engine results. So. If you're a small business and you're spending, or a big business, and you're spending a lot of money on SEO and trying to optimize your search engine results, um, you know you want to do everything possible to be ranked up as high as as high as you can. Google's actually looking at all sites now, and if you've got, you know, and by the way, how many pop-ups is that? Is that one? Is that three? No one's saying. Yeah, right? of course, because so, it's Google. Because it's Google, so you but you have to be careful. Revisit your website as soon as you can, and make sure that you're not having too many intrusive interstitials on your site where you may be seeing that impact (laughs) aka pop-ups that's going to impact your search engine rankings so can you talk a little bit about this is a little off topic um search engine rankings like what do you do for your business to ensure that you're ranking in the first page so first of all and it's it, it it's interesting that you asked that because um here's what i do for my business to make sure that we are ranked as high as we possibly can number one we have hired a consultant Okay. Now, not the guys that are sending you emails saying you can be ranked number one on Google, you know, for, yeah. you know, not, not that. I mean, we, we did searching around and got recommendations and looked on LinkedIn, looked on Upwork. And I have, I have a woman who works for my company. She does our digital marketing um, and she has experience in search engine optimization. And I pay her. And because why? Because, Elizabeth, there's no silver bullet to being ranked high on the internet or in a Google search. It's it a is, long game. It's a long game and it's an ongoing game and it's always changing. And Google, this, this, you know, you, what do we call this again? This, uh, whatever, the, the pop ups issue, right? What am I calling it? Interstitial, infinite interstitials. <laughs> I know. Like, it, it this every other week, Google is coming out with some of the new rule or some new change in their algorithm or whatever. So when business owners are saying, "Look, it is really important to me that I be ranked high on Google that I get up there," then my first bit of advice is saying, "In this complicated world that we live in, you're going to need to cough it up and you're going to need to hire somebody that is going to be working on this on an ongoing basis." Now, here's what they do: um, you're changing your keywords all of the time so that you're matching what people are trying to search for you, what yeah. you're trying to search on. You're making sure that your website is is always changing and vibrant. It's not like some static page because it is a um, Google's looking for websites that are refreshing themselves. Google wants to make sure that your website is secure. So you have to make sure that it's not the old format, which is HTTP, Hypertext Transfer Protocol. It's got to be 
hypertext transfer to, to, transfer like protocol secure HTTPS. <laughs> HTTPS, okay? Um, but it's got to be secure or else Google will punish you on your on your rankings as well. Um, you need to make sure that you've got your linking to other sites and they're linking back to you as well. There's a whole bunch of activities that need to be done because a website is a living, breathing thing. Um, and you don't have the time to do this. You're trying yeah. to run a business. This is like... It's important to you, but like it's literally it's something that it has to be. It's a few hours a day of of monitoring and working and analyzing and all of that. You got to hire a consultant to help you do all that. So you found your consultant through referrals. Yes, that's a that's another good question. I found Amy through Craigslist. Really? Yeah, and I um I forget if we've talked about like right. I know I wrote about it for the Hartford about yep. like writing yep. like you know an ad or whatever. I'm like pretty good I at writing. Think we have a question in the next podcast. All right, cuz I'm pretty that. good at writing ads to find people and I'm I do use Craigslist a lot. They're cheap. It's like 25 bucks to place an ad and I always get buried in it. My biggest problem with Craigslist is that is ciphering and I have a whole system for doing that as far yeah. as like narrowing it down to the people that I like. Um but when I found Amy, then when you get to them, then I start digging in. I start stalking them online. I look at like LinkedIn, you know, and, and what their experience is and then see if there's any connections and referrals and all of that stuff. Um, and she is a, uh, you know, Amy is a real person. I won't give her a last name, but she worked for a larger company. Um, and I wanted somebody local. Um, because I, I meet with her face to face. Now, some people, it's not really necessary. I, yeah. That's what I like to do. Do Skype. And yeah, you can, it's cool. But I mean, her, we meet, and I, I like that. But she um, worked for a larger company in the digital marketing area. And, um, and she is um, like a young woman with two young babies and uh, just can't keep a full time job and wants to raise her kid as well. And there's a huge demographic of like smart women that can't have full-time jobs because they want to, God forbid, they want to be mothers to their kids, um, but are, are, can be so productive to small companies. Highly if you just, skilled, yeah. Right? And she gives me like 20 to 30 hours a week. It's flexible for her. I mean, it's great, you know? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I narrowed it down and, and chose her. So she brought a lot of the experience she had at her larger company, which was a lot of digital marketing, search engine optimization to my company. Now, how do you measure success with her? That's another great question. We just, I met with her yesterday and I'm going to write about this one as well, Elizabeth, because um, your marketing people are going to yell at me. All of you guys that do this digital marketing, <laughs> I feel, and any of you listening right now, this whole digital marketing, some of it is such nonsense to a small business owner. <laughs> the likes, the follows, the you know, the fans, the whatever. To a small business owner who's spending your hard-earned money on on digital or social marketing or just marketing in general, more so than the Hartford, which has gobs of money, right? I mean, every dollar counts with us. It's like, um, you know. In the end, you just you just want leads. It's all about leads. Yeah. That's it. It's all about leads. That's, that's all. You, and Amy and I was. She's been giving me reports every quarter on all our social media, you know, activity and demographics. And it was just yesterday I said, like, you know, what? This is interesting from an anecdotal perspective. Oh, I had certain number of followers last quarter, and now it's going up. And yeah. okay, that's great or whatever. But I'm like, show me the freaking money. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, where were the leads here? And um, so when you ask about what kind of report we're Starting this quarter, her and me, whenever I get a new lead in, because they all come into my CRM system, yeah. ultimately, I'm gonna, she's going to be notified. And at the end of each quarter, she's going to, now we're a small business, she's going to give me a list of every single lead we got during that quarter and her best efforts at where it came from, that lead. Literally, like during the course of the quarter, I might get a couple hundred leads. 
So it's not like the Hartford where you're probably ten thousands and thousands. It's just a couple hundred. I'm just like, can you show me a list of every lead we got in this last quarter and where it came from so I can see how much of this came from just our website hit versus Twitter versus some ad campaign so that we ran. your CRM should be able to do that. Oh, it does. Yeah. So it's just because every lead comes right into my CRM system. And then sometimes it's we it's it's logged the source where it came from, the website or from whatever. Sometimes it's not. So that's where she has to use a little bit of... So if they're coming from Google, you know she's doing a good job. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And not only that, but it's like, you know, we're we're playing around with ad campaigns on Facebook and some promoted tweets as well and all of that. And and if I see like leads that came in from like an ad campaign, I'm I'm like, oh, okay, that campaign seemed to be, let's do another one of those. It makes sense to me. So in the end, all the likes and followers and all that social media mumbo jumble uh, you know, I'm like, just show me the, where the leads are coming from. I need to see my leads. So you don't have to give me specific numbers, but okay. let's say you have a marketing budget yep. for your company. Yep. How much of it are you spending on SEO? What percentage are you spending on? It changes all the time. And right now, um, again, I'm a 10-person company. Amy has been working for me now for about a year and a half. Um, I probably spend a few thousand dollars a month on marketing, right? okay. just so you know, like two to three grand a month on marketing. So it's not like a huge amount but of money. But it's a lot for a small a lot, business. Right, that's yeah. I mean, for budget. 12 months, $36,000, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, that's like not, you know. So, and it's changing. I'm trying to figure out what works the best. And because, like many small business owners, I don't know, and I'm bad at tracking the data, and I, I've always been doing it myself, but as I'm growing, I've learned that I need to hire somebody to help me. Um, we're learning. And you know what I'm finding out is that when you're running, when you hire that marketing person, you, you're literally investing in that person for a couple of years. Oh, definitely. Right? Before yeah. you get enough data coming in where then you know where to sort of hone in and focus on, on what's going to work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So we're still in that like data gathering mode, um, and and it's it's fun. Uh, the other way that I look at it is like I'm not a gambler. Like I don't go to Atlantic City or when I go to Vegas, I don't gamble. I'm just, it's just not my thing. But I um, but this I love to do. I yeah. think 30, 40 grand a year and gamble it on businessy stuff. You yeah. know, with the like I that 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 gives I me. I mean, a marketing jazz. works. It does. If it didn't work. There would be half the economy would be out all of data. Business. It, it's like, all data driven, and the re- one of the reasons why I never forget. I talked to, um, I interviewed this VP of marketing from Anheuser Busch um, at some conference. This was like two or three years ago, and he was he was telling me how like they don't take risks when they market. I mean, he says a few big companies really take risks when they market. They make very educated bets based on their data. And before they decide to have a promotion or a campaign or something like that, they have done the demographics. They've set up all the tracking. They know that if they spend this amount of money, they're going to be getting a certain amount of leads and a certain amount of response from it. It's, of course, there's some, you know, you know, that's gray areas. But for the most part, they don't take risks because they're driving it off of data. And I thought to myself, I said, you know, I should be doing the same thing. It's ridiculous. I should be able to say if I spend $5,000 on a Facebook campaign, I should be able to know that that's going to generate how much work, you know, for me or how, yeah. many, how many leads. And, um, and I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. Yeah. So as long as you get those leads to sales, then it's Yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> issue. And I say to, that's what I say to Amy is that just get me the leads yeah. and then it's my job to convert that to sales, yeah. you know, but I need leads. We all need leads, Gene. We all That's do. That's what we're all here That's for. That's right. That's right. 
All right, that's going to do it for us for this week's Small Biz Ahead podcast. We'll be back with you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com.